Okay, let's uh, turn to Acts chapter 8. And uh, this evening I'd like to share some principles from the Word of God that He used in my heart regarding this move that we made from Guatemala to Peru. I firmly believe that God confirms His will in our life through His Word. He uses His Word in our hearts in ways that we cannot even imagine. This book is not an ordinary book. This book is alive and this book is active in our lives if we will allow it to be so. And uh, as God began to work in our hearts and we began to think and pray about this, this move to Peru, uh, to Peru from Guatemala, uh, I really was asking the Lord that He would confirm that in our hearts. We felt that strongly. Our counsel that we were seeking uh, seemed to indicate that that would, was in line with what God had for us. But we wanted confirmation from God's Word. And I was reading through the Scripture, as I have a habit of doing, and I was reading through the book of Acts. I've read this passage many, many times. And uh, it's always been a passage that was somewhat curious and at the same time perplexing to me because of what happens. But God used it, as I was reading through here, to, to show me that He did want us to go to Peru. And I hope to share some principles that not only applied to my life and our situation, but I believe can apply to any of our lives in what he wants to do in our lives. So uh, I'd like to begin reading in verse 26, Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. And I'll try to hurry. I know many of you are anxious to get to watch the game. So, <laughs> What game? <laughs> oh, don't be so blue, brother. <laughs> Acts chapter 8, verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all of her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. This is a very interesting passage of Scripture. If you know the history of what happens in chapter 8, from chapter 1, Jesus had given, again, the great commission to the church at Jerusalem to go into Jerusalem and to all of Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Well, the church at Jerusalem was growing, as we mentioned uh, even this morning. It was growing, but it was not obeying the Word of God in that sense. And persecution came upon the church at Jerusalem in verse 1. As a result of that, the believers were scattered throughout all of Judea and Samaria, and Philip went down into the area of Samaria and began to preach the gospel. As a result of that, many men and women were trusting Christ as their Savior, so much so that Peter and John felt the need to go down and see what was going on in Samaria. And they went down there, they they saw what was happening, and they said, man, God is really moving in Samaria. But in the midst of this is when we find our passage in verse 26, and God calls Philip from Samaria down to a road going down to Gaza to the desert. 
And it was a big change for Philip. And as I was reading through this passage of Scripture, it seemed like the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, See, David, Philip obeyed me. Are you willing to obey me? And I would like to show you some principles from the Word of God that he showed me, and I hope they're a blessing to you. But first, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that you would bless this message tonight. Fill my mind and my heart with your Spirit. I pray that you would guide my thoughts and my words And Father, that your Holy Spirit would have freedom to speak to our hearts tonight. We commit this time to you and we ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. God called Philip to leave a successful and fruitful ministry in Samaria to go to the desert to witness to one man of whom we have no further information in the Bible. It seemed odd to me growing up and maybe... Uh, God let it seem odd to me for many years just for what he showed me in regards to this move to Peru. I don't know. Maybe I'm just dumb and couldn't figure it out. That's probably closer to the truth. But the point is that there are some principles in this passage of Scripture that can apply to each one of our lives and that it can apply to our lives uh, as well. It applied to my life in this process that God was doing in our hearts. The first thing I want you to notice is found in verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise. I've entitled this message a time for change because there's several changes that are going to be happening in this passage of Scripture. And the first time we've seen is a time to get up. Now, I know this is our King James Bible and we believe that and I I believe it was translated correctly because it wasn't done by a Texan. But if a Texan had done this, they wouldn't have said arise. He'd have said get up. And there is a time for us to get up. And what do I mean by that? I mean there's a time for us to make ourselves available to God. Of a time for Him to get our attention and us to say, Lord, here I am. I'm ready for God to use me. And it's important for us to be available for the kingdom of God. About 12 years ago, we were in a missions conference in North Texas. And my wife and I felt a, a, a burden, a very heavy burden at that time for the country of Laos. Why we felt a burden for that, I'm not really sure. Other than I know that God was working in our hearts. And during that missions conference, my wife and I came forward and at the altar, we poured our hearts out to God and said, God, if you want us to go to Laos, we'll go. Two days later, well, I skipped something I need to tell you. I I didn't make it public that night, but I did talk to the pastor. He was a good friend of ours, Dr. Paul Henderson. And I went into his, his office, my office, something. We were in the men's restroom. And nobody else was there. And so I kind of leaned up against the door. And I said, Brother Paul, I said, I'm not sure what God's doing in our hearts. But I want to share this with you. And I told him about it. And I asked him to pray with us about that. Two days later, after that conference, we're returning back to our home church in Temple, Texas. And I told Beth, I said, I don't know what God's doing. But I feel no burden for Laos. She says, I don't either. We talked a little bit more and she said, what are we going to do? I said, well, if God doesn't give us further direction, we're going to go back to Guatemala as we'd planned and continue with the plan that we had. We did that. We went back to Guatemala. We started the third church. And of the first four families 
that started attending our church there, two of them said, we have been specifically praying that God would start a Bible-believing church in this area. You say, Brother David, did you miss God's will when you surrendered to go to Laos and then didn't go to Laos? I'll tell you 100% for sure. No, I did not. I think what God was doing that night was he was testing the waters. He was saying, David, are you willing? Are you going to make yourself available? Now, I don't know how much y'all know about Laos. It's in the Far East. They speak a really different language from Spanish and English. They have different customs and different food and many different things. And it was a huge step for us to say in our hearts, Lord, if that's where you want us to go, that's where we'll go. But we did. We made ourselves available. and We said, Lord, here we are. If that's where you want us to go, we'll go. And that's what each of us needs to do in our hearts. God didn't have it for us to go to Laos at that time. Maybe sometime in the future He will. I don't know. But I believe with all my heart that He was testing us to see if we were going to be willing to make that drastic of a change. You know, whenever God started working in our hearts about going to Peru, it seemed like an easy thing to do. We'd already surrendered to go to Laos. Going to Peru, yeah, we have to sell all of our junk and we got to move some of our junk and we got to leave our brethren that we've won to the Lord and trained and, and other pastors that we've grown to love there in Guatemala. But it's easy when you've already made yourself available to God. Have you made yourself available to God? Is it a time maybe for you to get up and say, Lord, here I am? Look with me in the same verse of Scripture. There's another time here. Not only is there a time to get up, in the verse 26 it says, Arise and go toward the south into the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Not only is there a time to get up, there's also a time to go. And this speaks not only of us making ourselves available, but it speaks of obedience. It speaks of us being willing to act upon what God wants us to do. There is a huge, a huge difference between knowing what God wants you to do and doing it. I've grown up in church all my life and I've heard many people give testimonies saying, God called me to preach at this time of my life, but I didn't do it and I wished I had it. People that maybe not even called to preach, that God has led them or given them clear direction as to what they should do for Him in their lives, and they did not do it because they were comfortable in their position. I could give you several examples of people I know personally that, that God had to take them through the ringer because they would not obey at the time He wanted them to obey to do something. There is a time to go, a time to obey. As Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. And I love the gospel song that says, here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. And that needs to be our prayer. Lord, I am willing to go if you lead me. You know, it's, it's uh, I think of a little child that's trying to go into a part of the house that's really dark. They could be scared to go there, but if daddy's holding their hand, they're not so scared. If God's leading you, there's no reason to be scared. Be not afraid. Only believe. Amen? 
You just have to trust the Lord. But we have to be willing to obey, to do what God says. We all know the verse of Scripture in James chapter 1 and verse 22 where the Bible says that we're not to be doers, uh, that we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. But verse 25 says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Do you want the blessing of God on your life? You have to be a doer of the work. Throughout the Old Testament, especially during the time of the giving of the law, and in Deuteronomy when Moses was repeating the law to the nation of Israel, the the other generation who had grown up, he he, he says, God uh, speaking to Israel through Moses says, "It's, it's, it's real simple. If you obey me, you will be blessed. If you don't obey me, you will be cursed. I don't know how many times I've used that illustration with young people in, in youth camps. And I've said, it's simple. Do you want God's blessing or do you want God's curse? I don't know too many people that would just say, I'd rather be cursed. No. You want God's blessing. Then you have to obey the Lord. When you obey God, blessing comes. Now, don't get me wrong. I did not say riches come. That's what many people acquaint blessing with anymore. And that is the farthest thing from the Word of God when it comes to blessing. Blessing will come in your life if you obey God. The Bible says so right here in James chapter 1. God was leading us. He led Philip from a place of blessing, tremendous revival in Samaria, down to this road on the way to Gaza in the desert. God led us from Guatemala City, a city of 4 million people, to a town of 20,000. I was speaking to someone before church and they're going, that sounds like a big town to me. <laughs> I forgot I was in rural Missouri. <laughs> we, we were passing through and they're like 325 It's <laughs> population, you know. Hey, but God, it was a big change for us from 4, 000, 4 million people to 20,000 people. In Guatemala, the average number of people per square mile is 8,000 people per square mile in the whole country. In Peru, it's 72 people per square mile. That's a big difference. But you know what? God died for those 72 people in every square mile in Peru. And somebody has to tell them. You talk about a big adjustment. We went from the big city to small town Peru and... It's a different type of ministry. People are more laid back. People are slower in processing what you tell them. They want to think about it more. And that's fine. The the thing is, is we have to be willing to go where God leads us. We can't just listen to God's word. We have to do what it says. Are you going in your life? It may not be to go to Peru or to Botswana. But it may. But if you're, if you're a Christian, you have a go command. You are to be going somewhere. It may be to your neighbor. It may be across the street. It may be at school. It may be at work. It may be wherever it may be. You have the command to go if you're a Christian. I know the Great Commission was given to the church. But church is made up of people. Did you know that? <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> We have to get up and we have to go.
Not only is there a time to get up and not only is there a time to go, look in verse 29. The Bible says, And the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. There's a time to go near. Now, I want you to follow me, and I'll try to do this hurriedly, but I want you to think about why God called Philip to go down to speak to this eunuch. Now, you have to understand that the, the Jewish people had a very poor concept of the Samaritans. They, they treated the Samaritans as dogs. They were a people, uh, uh, the, the Jewish people that had intermarried with the, the peoples of the land years and years ago, and they, they were not pure Jews. And so the, the Jewish people, especially the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were all against the Samaritans. They would walk miles out of the way to not go through Samaria. Interesting that Jesus said he needed to go through Samaria. But Philip goes to Samaria. He went to the unloved. To the people that the Jews didn't want to go to, he went to Samaria. And God blessed his ministry. People are getting saved right and left. He, he's seeing God's blessing on his ministry. And then we see this Ethiopian eunuch. In verse 27, it says that there was a man of Ethiopian and a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who had the charge of all of her treasures and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. You know what the problem with that is? Is that we're not Jews and we don't understand if we don't read our Bibles carefully. In Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 1, it was prohibited for a eunuch to go into the temple area. So here is this man with great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopia, who had gone to Jerusalem for to worship, and he goes to this great temple, Solomon's temple, and he goes, he says, I've come to worship, and God's people said, you can't come in here. Can you imagine that? And so he has the treasure of, of the queen of Ethiopia at his disposal. He buys these, these rolls, which were scrolls, which were very costly. And he's going back to Ethiopia and he's reading the scrolls. He doesn't understand what's going on. And God says, uh, Philip, yeah, Lord. He says, you went to the Samaritans. Sure, Lord, they need the gospel too. He says, there's somebody else that needs the gospel. And my people didn't want to give it to him. He says, I want you to go near. And in verse 29, the Spirit said unto him, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. As I mentioned in the video, the people of the central jungle of Peru are in some ways a forgotten people. There's been a lot of missionary work done in Peru for different reasons and in different areas. Perhaps the central jungle has been overlooked because it's not so populated as other areas. But as I said before, those are people that Christ loves, Amen. who need the gospel. Is there somebody in your life you need to go near? Is there somebody in your life that other people have shunned, have kind of put off to the side? Maybe you've even done it in the past, but you know what? God is saying, hey, Philip, there's somebody I want you to go near. Amen. There's somebody I need you to talk to. 
And Philip was willing. His heart had already been prepared by going to the Samaritans. And now he's willing to go to this Ethiopian eunuch and to run near. Look what the Bible says in, in, in verse 29. It said the Spirit told him to go near in verse 30. And Philip ran thither to him. He was eager to obey the Spirit's prompting. Are you eager to obey the Spirit's prompting? I would hope so. But let me tell you something. There are many times that I have been eager to obey the Spirit's prompting, but there have been a few times that I didn't really want to. I was in a hurry to go somewhere. Maybe it wasn't convenient for me to do what I felt like the Lord wanted me to do, and I haven't always obeyed. You probably haven't either. But we all need to. We all need to go near. Look at one other thing in this passage. In not only do we need, there needs to be a time for us to get up and to go and to go near. But look at verses 30 and 31. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, how can I, except some man should guide me? There's a time to guide. There's a time to guide others. Obviously, obviously we need to guide them to Christ. Obviously, we need to take them to the feet of, of the cro- foot of the cross and to the feet of Jesus so that they can be saved. But even beyond that, they need to be guided in their lives. In Acts chapter 20. Excuse me, Acts chapter 26, the Apostle Paul is sharing his testimony before King Agrippa. And he's telling what the Lord told him to do. And he says to, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to, unto light and from the power of Satan unto God. There are many of us, maybe some in this room, who have been saved. We've already trusted Christ as our Savior. We've been turned from, light unto dar- from darkness unto light, but we still haven't been turned from the power of Satan unto God in some area of our life. That's why on Friday nights you have Reformers Unanimous. So that people can learn how to walk in victory. Why? Because Satan still has strongholds and control in many Christians' lives. And he says, how can I unless someone guide me? Who are you guiding in your life? You know, the Lord called Philip to go to Samaria to one man on the road to Gaza, down to the desert. We don't know about that man. As I said before, we don't know what happened after that. History tells us that northern Africa had many churches in the first couple of, uh, of centuries after Christ. Was that a result of the eunuch? It could be. We don't know that. But it could be. What if God opened all of northern Africa because of Philip's obedience and sharing the gospel with one man? I don't know if there's one man that God sent me to in the central jungle of Peru. I'm praying that there's several men. (laughs) But if I find that one man and I share the gospel with that one man, who knows what God can do with that one man? The point is, we have to be willing to get up. We have to be willing to go. We have to be willing to go near. And we have to be willing to guide others. Who are you guiding in your life? I can tell you who you're guiding to begin with. If you're a parent, you're guiding your children. If you're a grandparent, you're helping to guide your grandchildren. 
But even beyond that, there are people in this church that maybe need someone to come alongside them and guide them in their Christian life. To disciple them, to help them grow in their Christian life. Maybe it's someone that you've won to the Lord somewhere and they haven't come to church yet. Well, you know what? You can guide them. There's a time to get up. There's a time to go. There's a time to go near and there's a time to guide. And God showed me through this passage of Scripture, David, are you willing to go? Philip was willing to go. Are you willing to go? When we left Guatemala, and I'll close with this. When we left Guatemala, before we left Guatemala, I made a, it was more of a curiosity thing with me than anything of substantial importance. But I made a list of pros and cons for staying in Guatemala and pros and cons for going to Peru. And one of the things high on my list as a con for leaving Guatemala or for going to Peru is that I was leaving behind a whole lot of people that I love and I had close fellowship with. Not only the members of the churches that I'd started, but pastors that I had worked with, national pastors. I had 27 years of ministry influence with these people that my wife and I had counseled pastors and their wives. Some of them that were on the point of getting a divorce and, and just quitting the ministry and God saved their marriage and their ministry. And we praise the Lord for that. But if we move to Peru, we're the low man on the totem pole. Nobody knows David Lott. Nobody knows what he's doing there. Nobody, there's not many pastors to even have influence over. But God said, are you willing? I said, yeah, Lord. I'm willing. Are you willing this morning? Maybe it's a time for changing your heart and your life. I don't know what God's asking you to do, but whatever it is, are you willing to do it? When we're obedient, God will bless.